We can do this in a single take. I'm feeling confident today. I love right. it. I love right. it. One take wonder we got here. All right. We got this. <laughs> <laughs> Prime Day is almost here. Actually, it's two days, but who's counting? Well, Amazon sure is. Scheduled for June 21st and 22nd this year, the annual sales event is closely followed by customers, and it has become one of the most important milestones for the company and its partners each year. On this episode of Day 2, GeekWire's podcast about everything Amazon, we're going to go behind the scenes of Prime Day with two e-commerce veterans. First, our podcast collaborator, Jason Boyce, a former top 200 third-party seller, founder of Avenue 7 Media, and co-author of The Amazon Jungle. Jason, I like how you beefed up your bio in the notes that I shared with you. That was oh, pretty good. thank you. <laughs> Look, any opportunity to self-promote, I'm going to take that opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and also joining us this week for the first time is Andrea Lay. She is Vice President of Strategy and Insights at IdeoClick, an e-commerce technology and services firm based in Seattle, who was previously an Amazon general manager and retail category leader for nearly 10 years. Welcome to the show, Andrea. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So I have to ask you, given Jason's history, were you ever the retail category leader for basketball hoops? <laughs> were you sports and outdoors ever? I was sports and outdoors for Canada. So ah, yes, okay. technically, yes. But um, no, I worked across about 15 different product categories in my time at Amazon. And I, I'm responsible for a couple of things, much to the dismay of the vendor community. One of them is the crap program. I was on... Duh. I was there when we got that thing going and uh, the crap can't realize a profit and it's oh. uh, Amazon's program, you know, where they kind of sequester your items and maybe stop ordering them and definitely don't let you advertise them. And then the other thing I launched was their automated pricing system. So their price matching system. No. So, yeah, I did no. that. Andrea. <laughs> um, I like, I got, we used to get our pricing data at Amazon from a third party I wrote the business case for the automated price matching system. And then I called the third party and told them we would no longer be using their services. That was a lot of years ago. But um, yeah, I stayed real close to that thing as like a subject matter expert pretty much until I left in 2015. So I know a lot about pricing. So that's a scraping tool where Amazon sends its bots out and yeah. figures out how much everyone is priced lower on Walmart than Amazon, for example. Yeah, the more interesting thing about it the rules that you can set internally around it. But yeah, that was that was my work. Okay, so I got wow. one more follow-up question because now you know now you got me going here. And, that is uh, so relevant. Yes. Buy, buy box depression, right? Buy box depression. Was that you? We may need to stop right here. No, I was not buy box depression. Okay, good. Okay, I, we're good then. I kind of started doing that um about the time that I left. But but our clients obviously it happens to them a lot. And what year was that? I left in 2015. I was there from 2005 to 2015. Okay. Yeah, that's about when buy box suppression started, Todd, about 2016, 2015, 2016. I should probably go on the record that I loved it there. I thought it was an amazing ride. I think the stock was $20 when I started or something. And just to watch a company go through that kind of transformation and growth was absolutely incredible. I was employee 4,012 or something. Wow. 4,012 wow. yeah. 4, yeah. of 1.3 million. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, we used to have this tool that you could look yourself up and see what percentage of the company had started after you. And 99.9% of the company had started after me by the time I left. Of course, that's current, cumulative. You're that number of probably multiple millions of employees. But wow. So, but you're on the other side of it now. Yes. You're focusing on helping third-party sellers and others. So you and Jason are sort of operating in the same universe and doing different things, I would imagine. Yeah, we work with vendors and sellers, a little bit more with vendors, and we help them optimize and grow their Amazon businesses. So we do all the, we do strategy and help them negotiate and figure out how to benchmark against their competition and how to organize their internal teams, all that stuff. But we also do all the execution. So we have a ad tech platform. We do cost recovery through our Pulse Compliance program. And we do like content. We write all the content, catalog work, all of that stuff. We're a full service provider. And when Amazon takes down your clients' listings, do you guys have a listing health department that helps get them back up? (laughs) (laughs) Notice I said when, not if. So we work with about 350 brands and we work with most of the major consumer packaged goods companies. And yes, often items will get suppressed, you know, whether vendor or seller for various reasons. And we have a, a catalog team that is pretty experienced and kind of knows how to how to manage that, like based on the reason it was taken down, how to get things reinstated and and get us back into working order. So you know why they're getting suppressed, right? It's because of that damn pricing tool you built, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's probably some of it. Probably some of it. That's part of it. That's half of it for sure. <laughs> Way to go. I'm just kidding. Yay, I'm me. Kidding. <laughs> <laughs> wow. This is great. This is great. So I, I feel like I have to bring up the, the topic of the show ostensibly, which is Prime Day, which I struggle with as a topic as a reporter because it feels manufactured. But I know from the past that this is important to Amazon's business. It became increasingly important last year to a lot of the independent third-party sellers that the two of you work with. So I'd just like to ask you, why does Prime Day matter? If it does, does Prime Day matter? And and if so, why? Well, geez. Well, I have to say first, I mean, I think I'm such a fan of your podcast. I listen to it all the time. I was a bit disappointed this was going to be our topic because you know, <laughs> it's, it's a tough one. It's like, there's not, there are not a lot of new angles on Prime Day. But I do think that there are some interesting things happening this year. And, you know, obviously the timing of it shifting and, and all of that. But yeah, it's it's super important to Amazon. Now they have to have it. I mean, it's a sale event that they have to comp. So they have to, <laughs> to figure out how to do that. And it's not just the sales that they have to comp. It's the increased advertising revenue that they have to comp. That's probably even a bigger part of it now than the sales revenue. So manufacturers and sellers all increase their ad, but we recommend that anyone, you know, during prime days leading up to prime day, during prime day, after prime day, increase your digital advertising budget to support increased competition for keywords, make sure that your products can be seen by the increased traffic coming to Amazon site. So the CPCs are higher and they spend more. So we're often, you know, we're typically adjusting manufacturers' budgets up by, you know, usually around 50% for that time period. And that's a lot of ad revenue for Amazon. (laughs) 
<laughs> so before Jason jumps in with his commentary on this, I feel like I like to explain things so that I can have conversations with my mom about them afterward. I yeah. listened to another podcast where Sean Hayes <laughs> explains it for his sister. So let me just give you my impression of what you just said. Number one, Amazon's sales have been boosted by this thing for going on seven years now. So they have to match those comps, those comparables yeah. from years past. There's no yeah. giving up Prime Day. Yeah, yeah. And they also kind of have the added challenge this year of what we're calling COVID comps. A lot of businesses on Amazon right now are flat or slightly down year over year because they're comping all of the pantry stock up activities from last year. But what I think is really interesting about Prime Day, and I think this is something no one's really talked about yet, is that Amazon's able to get the vendors and the sellers to fund the consumer behavior change. You know, through the advertising budgets? Through ads and through the sale events, you know, the the comps aren't awesome right now. The year-over-year growth numbers for vendors and for Amazon are not good right now because last year this time was such a big e-commerce boom. And so, you know, they're able to use the sale event to to get some of the vendor and seller community to kind of help fund that change, that shift in consumer behavior and and pad some of those, pad some of those growth numbers. And I've had a lot of people ask me, why do I think they brought the date up? Like, why do I think they made it earlier this year? It's in June versus July. Yeah, it's in June versus July. And I think that there are a couple of reasons. And Jason, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on this too. But I think one is probably that they needed to get it into Q2 so that they could use it to help comp the pantry stock up activities of last year. So, you know, make their year over year numbers look better, both from a sales perspective, but also from an advertising perspective. And then we see across, we track um, all of our client sales data and purchase order volume data. And I think Amazon's overstocked big time. So the purchase order data is usually starting to go up in advance of Prime Day, and it's been going down for the last few weeks. And so I think their system's overordered because no one, I mean, you'd have to have a crystal ball to know how many people were going to shop online in March of this year, right? And, and they didn't know, no one knew. And so I think they overordered. And I think they're sitting on a lot of inventory right now. This is my, this is my opinion. I'm, I'm trying to validate it by pulling together some weeks of cover data and some other supporting facts. But just from a purchase orders perspective, the purchase orders have been like this since probably like the end of March, just kind of coming down, which is the opposite of what you would normally see. You would, purchase orders are the Amazon's orders you know, from the manufacturers. So the product they're ordering and stocking. And so I think that's another reason maybe that they moved it into Q2 is to just help them get rid of some of their inventory. More, I mean, and they will, like, it'll be a great clear out event. It, and it always has been. I mean, I think there's a lot of headline deals for sure, but there are lots of deals that are because they're overstocked. Such great stuff. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the visibility to the one piece side, the the traditional retail relationship where a vendor comes to the table, offers their product for a wholesale, Amazon buys it, and then... Um, you know, resells it. I'm much more connected to the third party seller side, but that's a fascinating insight that they overbought and they're fat on inventory and they needed to move that thing up a month or four, you know, depending on if you're looking at October of last year, I think there was a lot of good reason why October was prime day last year, but that that's really fascinating on the three piece side and the FBA side and getting inventory into FBA. I just keep saying, 
every week, this week it's going to be better. I know. This week it's going to get processed faster. It's going to get checked in faster and it's just not happening. We're still seeing errors, delays. It's taking forever. Yeah. More than anything I've ever seen. I mean, even this time last year, the delays weren't this bad as they are now in some cases. And so they don't have, I don't think they have anywhere to put it, Jason. I think, I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think they have anywhere to put it. And it and the other kind of data point I have is around hazmat. So, you know, they don't have very much space for hazmat goods. If you're not familiar with that, that's like flammable stuff you can't put in the air. It has to, has to live in its own space in the fulfillment center for safety reasons. Um, and so they have like, like much more limited space for hazmat. And a lot of our clients are in consumables and beauty and health and personal care. And um, they're they're out of hazmat space. I mean, you can't get anything shipped in hazmat right now, FBA or vendor. So I, I think they're full. How is that possible? This is a company that spent billions building out its warehouse and logistics and distribution. You should have seen the order volume data January, February, March. I mean, they they came off of holiday and just kept going like yeah. So I, so I think they're full. Um, I think they've been struggling with capacity for the last year, you know, since COVID, but they added a lot of warehouse space last year. They said something in the one, I can't remember which earnings call. I think it was the Q4 one where they said that they added 50% capacity, I think was yeah, the number yeah. that I came across. Is that what you remember? Yeah. I mean, that's massive. It's a lot. Jeez. Yeah. Oversize is another one where we're, we're, we're seeing the similar kind of hazmat struggles. And so that goes in its own non-sortable facility as well. Yeah. Yeah. I think they're full. I think they're over full and maybe they needed to bring the event up to just help them clear through some inventory and good. I mean, that'll be great. Then products can start moving more freely again. It's just going to be such a weird prime day because so many manufacturers are still dealing with manufacturing delays and out of yeah, stock. If, if you're an electronic and you're having trouble getting chips, you're having problems. And it's the, weird little pockets. It's not yep. like it's consistently all manufacturers have supply chain issues. It's weird pockets. It's yep. like shipping containers. Sometimes the delays are, I, I went way deep on this last quarter and did a whole bunch of reading on all these like materials handling, material handling websites and stuff, but they don't have enough long haul truck drivers right now because not enough of them got through school during the pandemic because they couldn't have the schools open at full capacity. So there just aren't enough drivers. I mean, there are never enough drivers, but there's like a real shortage now. And then not enough shipping containers. And then, you know, some warehouses that are still not back to full or not warehouses, but manufacturing facilities that are not back to full functioning. So uh, it's going to be a weird prime day. I think for consumers, what that means is that there will probably be, um, you know, the deals are going to be a little more focused on what's available versus like the he- the headline deal. But that doesn't mean they're not good deals. It, and it doesn't mean they're bad products. It just might not be the top seller or something or might be more focused on product that's in stock. Yeah. Comparing this prime day to last year's prime day, which dropped in October, which was very interesting is, you know, we, we made suggestions to our clients who had problems getting inventory in general from the factory. Like I think the factories are back up to speed, but Andrea points out a great one. Getting an empty container to fill up is a real challenge in Asia and a lot of these other markets right now. So, but, but this year is very different from, especially from the third party seller side, because Amazon 
has instituted additional limits. Restock limits is the latest. Storage capacity limits is another one that happened first. And in typical Amazon style, they just made this change and didn't tell anyone or give them any opportunity to prepare for it. So we had clients who had inbound shipments. Some of them got rejected or had to get turned around because their restock limits were already beyond this newly imposed restock limit. So, so this year we're saying, look, if you've got inventory now, from your best sellers that you can't restock because you've got lesser selling items mm -hmm. that are taking up a lot of space and is not does not have enough sales velocity to turn through. Guess where your discounts are going to be this year? It's going yeah. to be on the lesser seller items. You have to you have to clear space for slow moving items and really even consider if you're going to even use FBA any longer for those slower selling items because it will now count against you when you want to stay in stock for yeah. your higher velocity items. So that's a new thing that is another you know wrinkle. I don't know if you guys software is accounting for that, but it's a tra it's a challenge. And and maybe Andrea, I don't know. You guys got a lot of big heavy hitters. Maybe you guys had advance notice. We did not. We just woke up one morning and went, oh no, we've got five clients who can't send inventory. What's going on here? Oh no. Even the heavy hitters are affected. I mean, some Gosh. of our largest clients can't, especially around hazmat, some of our largest clients can't ship anything in and they're out of stock on some of their hazmat items. So it's affecting everyone for sure. And, you know, I think for consumers, that means there's going to be, there will be deals on different types of items. I mean, I don't that's know right. that that's a bad thing. And that's hopefully right. it'll help them drain down a little bit and free up some capacity to kind of get things going for, for Q4. Back to your original question about Prime Day, does it even matter, Todd? You know, it's great for consumers because they always get a great deal. Like I, look, I'm guilty. I Last, last Prime Day I bought we just, we bought a new house. And so I bought a bunch of new ring devices, right? Cause that's Amazon's brand and it was a great deal. So I went out and bought them on a huge discount on prime day, right? For sellers, it's become a necessary evil. Like so many things on Amazon for third-party sellers, because if you don't discount, you're going to have a competitor come in there and swoop and maybe bump you in your search or organic search results rank or your positioning and gain so much sales volume really quickly that you get suppressed on your first page of search results. So even if you don't want to participate in Prime Day, you kind of have to now. Yeah. And it's, but it's great for Amazon. I think, Andrea, you hit the nail on the head. They are printing money for that 48-hour period, not just because of the sales that are coming through it, it's great brand awareness. It's great branding for the Amazon brand. And man, they are going to rake it in on advertising dollars. And talk about, everyone talks about how profitable AWS is. Forget about it. I mean, ads is, is got to be more profitable than AWS. It's got to. And, yeah. and it's I such a huge ad revenue day for them. I wish I could share my screen with you, but I have this chart I made. And I looked at, in 2017, Amazon's sales mix of re like re online and physical stores versus services, services being AWS, advertising, and then like all the seller fees that they, that they have. And if you look at that mix in 2017, they were like 65% stores, and now they're down to 52% stores. So like the, it's almost, it's almost half revenue. This is their revenue. It's like half services and half stores now, which is incredible to me because they're not a retailer anymore. They're a services company, you know, they're, and, and that half of their business is highly profitable because it's it's like SaaS stuff. I mean, it's subscription or streaming or, um, 
you know, ad- advertising revenue that comes with just an enormous profit margin. So their their business dynamics have changed so much, you know, and they're not really just, I mean, we all know they're not just a retailer, but they're only actually half a retailer. That's right. I'm listening to this and just sitting back appreciating what a wicked, smart business model this is. I mean, holy cow, this is oh, yeah. incredible. <laughs> and you know, fraught at the same time because it's so powerful and incredible. I mean, it's 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 amazing to hear you two describe what they're doing. We're going to take a quick break. I do have one question for you that I think people who are thinking about shopping in Prime Day will want to know. I want to make sure I'm hearing you correctly about some of the supply issues. We'll jump into that coming up next. You're listening to Day 2, GeekWire's podcast about everything Amazon. Welcome back from GeekWire. I'm Todd Bishop. I'm joined this week by our podcast collaborator, Jason Boyce of Avenue 7 Media, the co-author of The Amazon Jungle, and Andrea Lay, who is vice president of strategy and insights at IdealClick and a former Amazon general manager and retail category leader herself. So my question for you as someone, frankly, who my default is to not jump in on Prime Day. Like, I spend enough money on Amazon. Your default is not to jump in? Yes, yes. I, out of principle, I really feel like they get enough of my You'll paycheck. You'll show them, I swear. Todd. After this recording, I'm stopping by the Amazon Fresh Pickup. My groceries are waiting. You know, I'm like, too much. Too much. This is where... This far and no further. (laughs) I'm sure there's still a room in your house that doesn't have an Alexa device. So you better get on that. So I'm hearing from you based on some of these supply issues, the COVID stuff, that perhaps the deals might be something a little bit lesser this year in terms of the types of products and the appeal of them to the average Amazon customer. Am Am I hearing you correctly? I mean, when I look across our client base, they're still doing really good deals. You know, that just might not be on the item they had wanted to do it on, but there'll still be a rich deal on a good product with good reviews. And I mean, from a customer perspective, I don't even know that they'll know the difference. Like these are all there. There are a lot of good products to choose from that are available. You know, there might be some some brands that are uh, that are really suffering from a supply perspective and can't run as many deals. And then also the opposite is true where you got people that have too much inventory on a slow moving thing and they're going to have to do a deep discount on that. It's probably not an ideal product for them to purchase because it's not necessarily a bestseller, but they might be more willing to give it a look at a lower price. You know, Andrea, I was looking at your retail touch points article, which is so great. Let's see what's, what's the date on this thing, June 9th, 2021. And we'll link to it by the way, from the show notes. Perfect. I love it. Great article. You've got three buckets here. How did Amazon launch? so many brands so fast. Number one is traditional private label model, brands like Alexa, Amazon Basics, Happy Belly, all of those. You better believe there's going to be some great discounts on that stuff. You know, at a minimum, Amazon, you know, they're not really paying for their own ads on those things, right? They don't really have to pay the same 15%. Maybe they're paying a merchant fee in there. So they can really do some deep discounts there. Amazon Manufacturer Accelerator Program, maybe less. That's where, you know, Amazon partners with factories or other brands to do an exclusive item mm. on Amazon. And then, you know, the Whole Foods acquisition, 365 everyday value. My guess is maybe there's some deals in there. That's why, like I said, last October, I waited until Prime Day to buy all my rings for my new home because I knew that was going to be a really great deal, probably unmatched until Black Friday or Cyber 5 uh, deals. Um, so from a consumer perspective, I think there's some there's some good opportunities out there. But 
you know, there's still a lot of third-party sellers that will go and give stuff away during Prime Day to get an acceleration mm-hmm. um, in in ranking and sales velocity, set of setting aside, burning through some inventory, um, but also to to jump jump up to a little bit higher organic search results rank, which is so important to success on the platform. And the other thing you get, I mean. We recommend all of our vendors participate in Prime Day. Anytime Amazon is putting corporate marketing dollars behind an event, you should participate because like, there's more traffic on the site. And there's also a cost of not participating, which is that you know competitors will be there and they'll be ready to take those sales and you know bid on your branded keywords and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, so brands should certainly participate. And I think the richness of the deals also maybe it'll be greater because we think they're overstocked. Like you, you really need to get rid of this stuff. Right. right. <laughs> it's like some price elasticity there that, uh, that you might want to take advantage of. And I think you nailed this earlier in the podcast too, Andrea. Amazon's not really paying for that. Sure. They're doing some additional marketing blitzes for prime day to promote the event, but uh, sellers and vendors are the ones that are really taking the biggest haircut in order to, to participate. And, and if you don't participate, your competitors will. So you have to do it. It's a necessary evil. You've got to do it. Even if Todd's not going to buy from you <laughs> on prime day, you need to do a deal on prime day. <laughs> so I ran some of these questions by Amazon just to see what they would say. They said, for example, that last year, everybody saved collectively $1.4 billion dollars in the context of Amazon's overall sales, that's still less than a percent on an annualized basis in terms of their net sales. And Jason, I know we could go down the whole GMV thing here, so it's even less than less than a percent <laughs> if you take yeah. into account merchandise. <laughs> What's that? I, I heard Jason talk about this on another podcast, and I was like, "Yes, you are." Speaking my language, sir, because it's they're only count the GMV. They're only counting the commission on those sales, not the total revenue of it. So the third party business is actually much larger. I love it, Andrea. You're welcome to come to my GMV church anytime. <laughs> you're you an honorary on. member. Thank you for that. I heard you get a little bit of a soapbox on it. And I was like, yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. So they also said last year, third-party sellers surpassed $3.5 billion in sales on Prime Day. It seemed like last year they really focused on third-party sellers more than they had in the past. That's a, I feel like that's PR. 100%. It's only PR. It's not in reality. I think, they're, I think that their 1P business crushed it last year. You know, They just didn't want to talk about it. They didn't share it. So they said it was a nearly 60% year-over-year increase, growing even more than Amazon's retail business. But it's already growing more than Amazon's retail business. That's not specific to Prime Day. Bingo. Yeah. And they love to talk about the numerator, but not the denominator, <laughs> right? So so as long as we're batting things down here, I want to say Brian Olsofsky, Amazon's chief financial officer, was very clear. He thought it was ludicrous on a press call from their last quarterly earnings that anyone would even deign to suggest that they moved the date up into the second quarter for purpose of financial comparables. Yeah, he said like summer travel and... Yeah, he said 4th of July. They, they ran into shipment problems. But Andrea, I would actually be really interested in your take on this as a former insider, as they say. Like, how much does Amazon care about quarterly financials? Because if you listen to them, it's like, they, hey, they barely even pay attention to what the street thinks. 
So they didn't really used to care a lot. I mean, I remember sitting in an all hands, like early days, early days for me. And Jeff said, and the stock price had gone, it had like doubled or something and yay, everyone's happy. And he said, we're not any, we're not any smarter because it's higher. Just because if we are, we have to be dumber when it's lower. So like that, (laughs) so, I mean, he was, I would say he was like kind of staunchly like not caring what Wall Street thought, what, you know, how the quarterly earnings were perceived, but it's a different company now and it's, it's bigger and it's a different regime too. I think it's worth noting. I mean, Business Insider has done a couple of now articles on all of the leadership exodus and they had like four pages of SVPs and SVPs and above that have all left in the last couple of years. And I don't think it's anything unusual. They always have a lot of turnover um, in their, in their employees, but that's a lot at the top. And I feel like there's a new regime there. Maybe they care more. It's a different company. They're in the spotlight all the time. It's a totally different company. In the early days of Amazon, employees like Andrea, like my good friend, James Thompson, who just, by the way, sold his company, Buy Box Experts, and did very well. He's paying for the next fishing trip, if you're listening, James. <laughs> and and like they were much more entrepreneurial. What do I mean by that? You call yeah. Andrea as a category manager. You call James as a category manager. Hey, I got this problem. You could first, you could reach him, especially if you're doing a decent business. And they would know who to talk to to solve your problem. They could go across five, six, seven different departments, get an answer to your question and come back yeah. and solve it. But they're so much bigger now. And they're so much more siloed. They're much more siloed than they were. And it's harder for them when you present somebody in Amazon with a problem for them to go to the different departments to find the right answer. It's just, it's a behemoth. Well, I mean, that's part of the reason that like companies like yours and mine it, like do well now because we we have more expertise and breadth and depth often than whoever our clients are working with at Amazon. And I don't think that's to their fault. They That approach of like working directly with manufacturers and helping them strategize and solve problems, what I loved to do there, that was my favorite part about working there was working with all the manufacturers and you know, helping like every problem was unique and we were you know, we were always working on something new, but that doesn't scale super well. And when you look kind of going back to that sales mix of it used to be mostly stores, online stores, and now it's, mo- it's kind of half and half stores and services, you know, that approach doesn't scale well. And that's part of their key to success is figuring out things that scale well. And so that approach just doesn't really scale well. And I mean, I don't know about you, Jason, but that's why I do what I do. I love it. I love working with brands. I think it's really fun and exciting and dynamic and challenging. And, you know, by the end of my tenure at Amazon, we were just doing a lot less of that. Right. I could, I completely agree. One, sometimes it'll take us months to solve a really big, hairy problem that even Amazon can't help us with. And when we solve it, it's incredibly rewarding. I'm not so sure the clients appreciate it as much as we do because how, just how hard it is to get those problems solved. But it's true. It's just trial and error. And, and you know, the, the, the current folks are, are incredibly bright, incredibly talented. They're just, they don't have the same tools at their disposal as what it was when you left in even 2015. And so yeah. it becomes frustrating because I know that what is scalable are AI bots, 
Uh, but AI bots are like six-year-olds and seven-year-olds. And I love my seven-year-old, but I don't want to run in my business, right? <laughs> Not yet. She's got some more learning to do. And so that's that creates just really big problems. And it, But it's scalable, right? It's yeah. really scalable. And only two or 3% or even 0.5% are going to have a really bad problem. But that's tens of thousands of sellers that are and pissed we, now, right? Yeah. And we see that a little bit with Prime Day too, because I mean, I remember working with the brands to figure out what we thought would be collectively, like what we thought would be good, would be good deals. We were partnering on it. And I think it's a lot more self-service now. Oh, and, yeah. and there's no guarantee. One thing that I think is super interesting is there's no guarantee that you're going to get the spot that you asked for or you scheduled. Like they move the deals all around. Yeah. <laughs> Depending. It's hard to find them sometimes. I'm paying for this yeah. deal. I'm losing money on the sales, but I can't find where my placement is. Right? Which is it's like, where is which it? It's kind of interesting if you think about working with brick and mortar and if they like move the timing of your promotion. I don't know. I just don't think that really happens. That's an that's an, a unique to Amazon thing. What would be a smart way for somebody to go into Prime Day as a consumer, knowing what you know? Yeah, knowing what you both know about how the brands operate. How could that inform what you do as a consumer? And, and does it does your own experience perhaps reflect what you would advise people do? I'm always on the lookout for some good electronics deals. You always know there are going to be good electronics deals. So whether it you're it's a ring or you're adding more Alexa devices to your home or you know what whatever it is, maybe you want a keyless entry. Uh, they always do some stuff with smart home and with electronics. And, you know, you'll get, you'll find, certainly find some good deals around those categories. We work with a lot of consumables vendors. They're trying to encourage a lot of trial during Prime Day. So you can find some good like food and beverage and beauty product um, deals. And, you know, you can find those usually just by like searching some of the deals pages and, and, you know, and seeing what's happening there. I, I think more this year, we have been encouraging our brands to communicate about their deals off of Amazon. So if there's a brand that you're really interested in, if they're smart, they're also advertising what deals they're going to be doing on social and, you know, through their in Instagram handles or Twitter or whatever forums, they're kind of more active. And so I would start there if there are certain brands that you're hoping to to find some deals on to kind of see what they're up to. Because I, I do think the site gets really, really busy and cluttered. And as a customer, it can be very overwhelming. So that's something we've encouraged brands to do this year kind of more than ever is talk about what you're doing outside of Amazon. It also helps drive traffic to the site and it lowers your, you know, you don't have to be competing for all that finite traffic that's on the site and competing on the keywords and all those things, you're sending your own traffic there, which, which is helpful um, as well. So, uh, you know, check out your favorite brands on social and, and maybe see what they might be up to if they're talking about it there. And then obviously there's always going to be some good electronics and smart home deals for things you're looking for. So last thing here, I'm really curious for both of your takes on the celebrity aspects of this and what it says about Amazon's overall mentality. Perhaps this plays into the leadership mentality change that you were talking about earlier, Andrea. So for one, when they announced this, Kristen Bell, the actor and philanthropist and small business owner, was essentially the MC in some ways of the interview that Amazon hosted with two third-party sellers. It was really interesting from a journalistic perspective. I was sitting there thinking, man, these are two really interesting sellers. I would love to be able to ask them actual questions as if this were an actual press conference. But of course, Kristen Bell just, that's not 
her job. And, and then they also are bringing back the Prime Day concert. It's on June 17th. What do the celebrity aspects tell you? Well, I think anytime they can add legitimacy to especially some of the categories where maybe they have a little bit less credibility. So high-end beauty, I mean, that's where they've done a lot of like celebrity um, partnerships and endorsements and things like that, as well as fashion. Those are kind of two areas where they're, we know they're, we know that they can be celebrity driven in general outside of Amazon. And then Amazon really needs credibility in fashion and beauty. Those are two categories they haven't totally cracked the nut on yet. And so I think those are about brand awareness and credibility in those categories um, more than anything else. And then in terms of, you know, the inter- interviews and concerts and things like that, well, first, I hope we don't have a repeat of like, was it 2017 or 2018 where the Prime Day took down the site? <laughs> so, <laughs> so we don't have that. But I think it's about just driving traffic. It's traffic driving initiatives. And I don't even think Amazon always knows. I mean, everyone thinks they have it all figured out, but it's really throwing a lot of stuff at the wall. So I I don't know that they have real expectations about what those types of activities will do for them, you know, but they're looking for ways to drive incremental traffic to the site because just like CPC costs are rising on their site, advertising costs are rising everywhere. It's more expensive for Amazon to get traffic to their site and they're competing with so many different retailers now. You know, they used to be the big game in town across most product categories. And now I would say in every product category, there's a big competitor. There's a big e-commerce competitor you know, whether it's Sephora for beauty or Wayfair for home or, um, you know, Chewy for pet, every category has got a contender that's grown real fast and had really nice Q1 earnings (laughs) results. And so I think those types of activities maybe help draw some attention to their site versus competition, maybe helps them stand out or differentiate. Yeah. I, I love Kristen Bell as an actress. And I think the celebrity endorsements for any brand are very useful and helpful. And I agree with everything Andrea said, Uh, but I threw up in my mouth a little bit when she started to talk about how easy it is as a small business, right? To sell on Amazon. Give me a break. Kristen Kristen Bell, not Andrea. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I'm sorry, Andrea. (laughs) Well, it's fine. I just want to clarify what you're saying. Thank you for clarifying. See, Todd's a journalist. That's why he's here to unscrew me. I'm really glad I didn't make you throw up in your mouth, Jason. (laughs) You did not. You No, never. Uh, But Kristen Bell... When she came out and talked about how great it is as a small business to sell on Amazon, I, I totally just had an issue with that. It, clearly, she's highly separated from the people who are actually running her account on Amazon. And she's Kristen Bell. So clearly, she's getting special attention <laughs> from, from, from Amazon. And I just wish that they would stick with you know, product endorsements <laughs> than, than trying to you know, put lipstick on this thing about how easy it is as a third party seller. It's really, really hard. It's why Andrea and I are here. And that's why we have businesses that are so successful because it's really hard to do well on Amazon because it's one of the most challenging platforms out there. Um, and so that, that was my, whole, that was my whole take on it. What I don't understand is why do they keep denying that it's hard? Like, let's just own it. It's challenging platform. It's big. It's earth's largest selection. It's It's going to be hard. And, right? and and it's worth it because if you can figure it out and stay on top of it, it is very lucrative. And I don't know why we need to pretend that it's something that it's not. Like, let's just own it. <laughs> you know, and that is according to the leadership principles, Andrea, that you were brought up in at Amazon. That's the way it should be. But like you said, it's it's new leadership now. That's not the case. And they they dig their heels in and defend more than just owning what's 
painfully obvious to anyone who's ever sold anything on Amazon. It's a really hard channel, yeah. but there's a lot of shoppers there. You got to be there. Yeah, you got to be there. This is the body odor principle at work yeah. right here. <laughs> Leaders do not believe that their own body odor smells like perfume. I could keep you both on for hours. I know. I we think we've got going. many follow-up Let's just keep talking after the podcast ends, Andrea. Let's just keep talking. <laughs> so I want to thank you both. I do want to note Prime Day, June 21st and 22nd, the concert that I mentioned earlier, that features, I want to do this because I wanted to, I went through the effort to make sure I could pronounce these names correctly with certain members on our team. So I want to have that pay off in this. It features Billie Eilish, her, and Kid Cutie, which I'm told is the correct pronunciation of Cutie. I just learned C-U-D-I. something. Good just to know. Something. Yeah. Did I, not I, know that. So now we're woke. It's Taylor Soper's <laughs> fault if I mispronounce that, just for the record, uh, our, our managing editor. Okay. Thank you both. Andrea Lay is Vice President of Strategy and Insights at IdeoClick. Andrea, where's the best place to follow you? Twitter, LinkedIn? What do you, what do you prefer? You can follow me on LinkedIn. I put almost everything there. And you can also find me on our website, IdeoClick.com. Perfect. And Jason Boyce is founder of Avenue 7 Media and co-author of The Amazon Jungle. Jason, I've never asked you that question. What's your preference? Twitter, LinkedIn? You know, I, all the above. Twitter and LinkedIn. Parler? I'm active on both. I, you know, is Parler up still? No, I never was on Parler. No. That, was a bad, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was not on Parler, uh, suffice to say. Um, but I, I, you can also reach out to me at Avenue, the number 7 mediacom Perfect. Well, we just lost half of our audience now that we disowned <laughs> Parler, but I'm going to carry on. <laughs> Andrew, we'd love to have you back. This was so much fun. Absolutely. I really enjoyed talking to you guys, and thank you so much for having me. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review GeekWire's Day 2 podcast in your favorite podcast app. Until next time, I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. Thank you for listening. Thank you.